This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. And today we're going to look at what does it look like to work it out, and, and how do we work it out in one of the arenas that is, is the most challenging, which is actually in our families. You know, that idea of, of, of coming home, you know, that idea that, that so much of life, and we're going to talk about this in more depth next week, is this art of homecoming. Like, how do we come home? And, and, and I feel like, if, if you're like me, a lot of the time, there's, there's an anxiety because we have a, we have a sense of home. But it's, but it's this sense, and we just know it's just not quite there yet. And maybe we get moments there. Maybe you had moments this week. Maybe you didn't. But there's this sense, and sometimes the distance, the distance can be unsettling. And we're going to try as best we can today to, to bridge that distance. Now, part of that is understanding that, that there are different movements in the spiritual life, and there's, there's a whole bunch of ways you could look at this. This is just one. It's the idea that there's, there's three places we can be. One is we can, we can be a settler. We can be somebody who's like, look, I'm going to build right here. This is the thing that has meaning to me, and I'm going to build in this place. I'm going to give up traveling, figuratively, give up journeying. Like, I found it. I found where, where we're just going to build. And then there's another place to be, the nomad place. And the nomad place is just where we wander. It's, it's not even where we're wandering with a point, per se. We're just simply wandering. And sometimes, folks, this is real important, sometimes we choose that, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we choose that, and sometimes we don't. Again, a little side plug, like I highly would plug, you know, tuning in to the the little coffee and donuts meeting afterwards. I got to jump on there late last week, and they were talking about where they were on these three different places, sharing that. And, and there were some great observations, and it was really interesting, like, hearing people talk about the nomad place. And again, sometimes we can choose to just wander, and sometimes with being a nomad, it's just, it's just the way life is. Like, a life event happens that so shakes our world that we feel all we're left with is wandering. Compass gone, landmarks gone, we're just, we're just wandering. And then there's this third place, one we're going to talk a lot about next week, the pilgrims. Pilgrimage is a, is a fascinating one because it actually borrows a little bit from both. It, it has a journey element to it. It has a wandering to it. But a pilgrim is always wandering to a sacred space to touch that sacred space and then to bring that knowledge from that journey back home. To bring that knowledge from that journey back home. That's where we have true wisdom in life. And it's just an interesting conversation, again, to have. Like, where are we? Where are you in any one of these things? And then we talked about this idea, that that the idea that it it comes down to when we can find home, truly find home, it's where we can just breathe. So let's all get a big breath here. And we can just say, thy will be done. Thy will be done. That gets said in the Bible in good places and in really difficult places. And it's, it's, it's something I'm going to touch on today, and I don't know, probably language will fail as it often does. But so much of that, being able to say that will be done, anchors in to what is our view of God. You know, do you have a view of God that you can actually trust that statement? That will be done. 
It was interesting last week. I found it really fun looking at the, uh, looking at what people had on their, their responses to what, what was Thanksgiving really like? We have what we, what we think Thanksgiving's gonna be, and then we have the reality, and the two together. And there were so many beautiful responses. Essentially about like we have this idealized vision of it, and then the kids argue. Or then Uncle Phil has too much to drink. Or, uh, or then the, whatever, the turkey is raw in the middle. Like, whatever it might be. We have, we have, we have the, the potential, the, the, what we aspire to, and then we have the reality. And I, I love this one from a dear parishioner friend. I'm talking about the reality of, of her Thanksgiving. Reality is a wah-wah hoagie since my family is a hot mess. <laughs> like, I like, I like that line. And, and even there, folks, like, like, can we, even in that moment, even in that moment, just take a breath. I will be done. If we can anchor that to a view of God where we really can trust God's will, then I feel like we can start to move forward in this life. Because then we get that God is, God is working with us. God is with us in the form of love and peace and hope even in the midst of unspeakable tragedies. God is with us in the spirit of love and peace and hope. When we can do that, like what does it look like when we start to really allow ourselves kind of in into that, just that, that, that really that trust? And again, it doesn't mean that we don't question or understand, try to figure out like the ifs, ands, or buts, how this all works. But but where we can just kind of settle in, I feel like this is what starts to happen, these next two ideas. We start to do these things. The simple soul each day makes a morning offering of all the prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of the day. So offering up the day. And who acts upon it, accepting unquestionably and responding lovingly to all the situations of the day, unquestioningly accepting, lovingly responding. That's going to be the sort of the anchors for today's service. Has perceived with an almost childlike faith the profound truth about the will of God. God's will for us is clearly revealed in every situation of every day, if only we could learn to view all things as God sees them. That's a, that's a beautiful part. And sometimes that opportunity will be how do we step forward with love and peace and hope in really hard circumstances and, 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 and trying to like just, just breathe and just be, okay, God, your will be done here and allow that will to move through us. We, we talked about that last week and I think it was so profound that, that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who gave up his life, was killed in the concentration camp where he wrote, like, I've sort of given up trying to figure out what's the next good thing to do and just kind of surrender and just ask the question, God, what is your will here? What would you have me do? And God answers that question in so many ways, deeply, deeply profound ways. It's important for us to think about this because could I get a little amen? Are times a little stressful these days? (laughs) Amen. Amen. They're a little bit stressful, they're hard, they're challenging. We, we not just have the challenges of, of COVID and all this other stuff, 
but then just just life, like like a lot of you are wrestling with really like heartbreakingly hard things. And how do you sit with that? Like just knowing that, yeah, this is all really hard, and it sort of feels like we got all these forces combining. And how do we sort of find that coming home idea in our families and then expand it out to families in a much larger way? I I love the idea and the question. You know that no doubt for all of us, COVID has created some cracks in families. I, 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 it was interesting just watching, you know, I I had a a number of couples, what we have a bunch of wonderful young couples and, and all of a sudden ended up with this little rash of, of phone calls and Zoom, Zoom conversations. Because essentially, they were quarantined too long together. <laughs> it was all fun and games for the first two weeks. But Chuck, we're on to four months, no fun, no games anymore. And, and I, you have to smile at that. Yeah, because of course, like, it's, those pieces are hard. I like this Wall Street Journal, I like this, this, this uh, headline here. America's leaders can't agree on reopening protocols, neither can families. That's a good line. The question of how to live under shifting Coronavirus precautions is straining relationships among friends and relatives. Quote, boys, you're too close to grandma. I, I like that line because I think, yeah, that's, that's the kind of family drama that we're wrestling with, or a lot of us wrestle with, you know, at times like this. And you know what we also know? We also get to see beauty. We also get to see beauty. I mean, I've definitely seen beauty around. Definitely seen families taking care of other people, taking care of each other, reaching out to connect in ways that are that just, you know, frankly, are, are, are tear-inducing. Because somehow, again, it's a little like the night sky, that, that the darkness allows us, in a way, to see the stars even more clearly. Brothers and sisters, there is a clarity of night. There is a clarity of night. For our families, for communities, nationally, for the world, there is a clarity that we get at night. And what I want to do is I want to sort of tease this apart a little bit and, and, and let you folks think through some ideas of clarity. Now, I want to give you a little background to this next exercise we're doing. I'm a big fan of many people, many, many people. And one on that list is a guy by the name of Craig Barnes, who's the, uh, who's the president of Princeton Theological Seminary. Also used to be a pastor out in Pittsburgh. And he writes really good stuff, and, and he always has great insights uh, and and, and he, he was reading a, reading a sermon he did, and, and he was talking about his family story. This is a brilliant family story. Really moving family story, I should say. So, so he had one brother and had a lot of challenges within the family. But his mom was always clear, like, about taking care of other people. And so what happened was, was a, uh, a neighborhood child uh, was left orphaned at age 11 because both his parents overdosed. Tragic circumstances. So his mom decided to adopt this little boy. So Craig ends up with a brand new brother. 
And what his, what his mom kept on harping on, and not harping on like in a scolding way, but in a loving, patient way, with this 11-year-old who was joining their family, was just very gently being like, this is what we are here as a family. And this is what we're not. This is what we are here as a family. And this is what we're not. This is what we always do. This is what will always be true. And this is what we will do our best to never do. And this is what we hope is never true of our family. And she just, in that loving way, kept on coming back to this is, this is who we are as a family. Not who you need to be to fit in, but this is who we are. And she's sitting there with her boys, and this adopted boy as well, saying this is who we're not, sitting there with her boys, her two biological and her one adopted. Well, his brother went from that circumstance of an 11-year-old being raised by parents struggling with addiction and orphaned to actually goes on, uh, had a distinguished, got, got into the Army, got into the Special Forces, was having a distinguished career, and then actually died in combat in Vietnam. And you can just imagine, like, like, listening to the podcast and reading that. It just, like, it catches me right now to even say that. And what Craig realized was that his mom had done this beautiful job. And here, her beloved adopted son had gone out in the world clear about what we are and clear about what we are not. Think about that. Clear about what we are. Clear about what we are not. Now, I want to have families have a chance to answer this. People that have a chance to answer this. If you don't have, like, kids, not a big deal. Just answer it for community. And what I'd like you to do as our musicians come up is just look at this line. In this family we are, in this family we were not. I'd ask you to text or chat. Now, we're going to do it a little differently today. The musicians are going to be playing a song because I know this, this question is, is not like an easy 60-second answer. And it may be a question you want to come back to after church. It may be a question you want to address looking at, looking at coffee and donuts after church online. But just, just think, okay, so, so if you were to adopt someone and you were trying to tell them not what you need to do to fit in here, it's not that, but if you're looking around the collective table and you're sharing together. We are this. And we are not that. What would your answer be? Boy, guys, I don't know even what to say about these. These are, these are amazing responses. Even with differing opinions, we are stronger together. We do not ever stop loving each other even when there are hard times and disagreements. We are loving, forgiving, trying and attempting, learning, failure not a failure, succeeding with humility. We are not cruel or sneaky or any of the opposites of the above. In this family, we practice the presence of his grace, forgiveness and unconditional love, We do not harm or judge, and we practice gratitude. 
In this family, we are always there for each other, or at least try to be. In this family, we are not perfect. And when we mess up, we ask for and give forgiveness. We are kind, giving, and we own our own word I cannot say on stage. We are not... <laughs> Thank you, Deneen. <laughs> we are not self-centered. That's a beautiful one. Love wins, anger doesn't. Do each other every good. Take 100% responsibility. No blaming and complaining. In this family, we are kind, patient, and welcoming. In this family, we are not spiteful, entitled, or selfish. We are kind and compassionate. We are not judgmental. We are loving. We are not shaming. I want to teach them about love being committed and the feeling of security. God is everything. In this family, we try our best. In this family, we are not perfect. I love that so many people have, we are not perfect in there. We are here to serve. We are not here to judge. Many other beautiful ones I could share there, folks. But those, those, those are so important, right? And you look at that, like, that's what you know. I know, I, I know these times feel lost in so many ways. And look at what you know. Look at what we know. Look at what we know to always be true. And look at what we know will never be true. And of course, I love the lines in there that, that doesn't mean we do it perfectly. That doesn't mean we, we make that choice. Like love is so much about the yin and the yang of lightness and dark working together. And it's about understanding, please listen to this, that darkness is only ever an invitation to the light. Darkness is only an invitation to the light. So the question, folks, what God do we know? And it's just, it's fascinating, again, like listening to you folks there, because God's consistently using the analogies of family to talk about what the kingdom of God is like. And, and what God do we know? Like, do we, do, do we have an umbrella of God that is, is judgmental? One of you used the word spiteful. I, you know, like, yeah, we'd want to avoid that. But, but sure, there are people who like the umbrella under which they, of God, that they, they live their life is under a judgmental, spiteful God. I, I think back, I mentioned this at a, at a little sermon I did during the week, you know, one of these 10 minutes of calm, you know, the Barna survey, some of you've heard me say this before, Barna survey was talking about how most people see Christianity today. And, and the top two things were judgmental and homophobic. Ooh. Is that really the umbrella Christ is talking about? Is that really what we want everybody to know? I, I think the message is far different, far, far different from that. That might be my ego's message or someone else's ego message, but that, that's never God's message. That's never the way God would have us live. So I, I want to look at kind of this, these two different views of, of what kind of God do we know, and I want to, to show you how Jesus handles it, and I want you to think about that kind of within your own family structure. You know, how do we handle challenges and knowing that people are coming from different places, and, and just how do we handle it? So, so the first, what we're going to be talking about here is John the Baptist. Now, for those of you a little background to it, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. 
he is is the first person that's that's a sort of non-immediate family that shows up in the Bible connected to Jesus because Jesus was his cousin. A very famous story when Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes to, to, to this woman's house, who's John's mom. It says the baby leapt in her womb. So John kind of knew Jesus was something special. And, and just imagine a cousin you kind of grew up with. You know, I think probably a lot of us have that cousin who was the cool cousin who we grew up with and, and so much of our life was intertwined with. Well, well, that's John here. And it's interesting because Jesus' relationship with John is, is it, it, it actually in the Bible is, is shown as having some challenges sometimes. And just a little geeky, geeky, Chuck, pastor, geeky aside that's interesting to me, Jesus, as many of you know, maybe not all of you know, had 12 core followers, disciples is what he called them. And uh, John was John the Baptist was not one of them. That's kind of, that's kind of interesting of, in and of itself. So John the Baptist, John, John the Baptist, he came to it from a, from a very different perspective. I'm actually going to step over here. Hopefully it doesn't throw the tech guys out. I'm going to step over here onto this, this pad over here to chat for a minute. And, and John the Baptist, kind of his, his specialty, he was a pastor himself, was the bad dog sermon. Was you are a bad dog. And in my line of work, we call that kind of sermon, turn or burn. You know, in other words, it's really stark. Like, like unless you do that, like there's, it's completely ensconced kind of in a binary view of the world. Absolutely black, absolutely white. No, no, no shades of gray whatsoever. So you had to either turn away or you were going to burn in hell to all eternity. Turn or burn. And you were essentially a bad dog. Just like if you yell at your dog, you know, and dog gives you that look when you say bad dog. And we can see that in his language here. This is the story, by the way. This is when Jesus was, was getting baptized and, and there's kind of two sermons that, that happen side by side here, and it's fascinating to look at the two, because it shows these two different perspectives of God. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, this is John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, you could just substitute clergy in there, coming to where he was baptizing him, he said, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? So we got vipers, we got wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, but do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Axe and fire and vipers and all that stuff. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And notice, he's saying he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. So winnowing fork was, was back then you had grain, right? And they would thresh the grain. They'd beat the grain to separate the husks from the kernels. A winnowing fork was where you, where you went through and you kind of raked out all the husks and that went and that got burned. And he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's some pretty strong language. That's some pretty strong language. And it's interesting to watch. Jesus has something very different. Again, same exact story. 
but holding it in a very different way. I'm going to step back over here into the middle. We see with Jesus something far, far, far different. John the Baptist maybe would have looked like this, you know, sort of a, a rough and tumble guy. That's how he's usually painted, pretty strident. And I think he kind of saw baptism almost as this. Like, they're ready for the, for the WWE SmackDown. It's, it's like, are you ready to rumble? Like, that's the sort of the, the sense you get. Like, and, and here comes Jesus, and here's John the Baptist, and here's all these other people who are sure, just like den of vipers who should be thrown into the fire if they don't get it. And, and, and here comes Jesus walking in, and it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful kind of, kind of, uh, Tension in this story. And, and you know, I, frankly, until getting ready for this sermon, I didn't read it as a tension. I just read it as one story. But it's much more fun to read it as really two. One view of God here and another view of God here. And this is what Jesus had to say. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Notice, he switched it. So it's no longer Jesus coming there to baptize with fire. Is he saying, John, by the way, I'm I'm here to get baptized. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, because that's what he just said. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper, proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. So no serpent, a dove. And a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Such a, such a beautifully different, different, different perspective. I, I want to talk about that, that different perspective and the, and the view that this man, that Jesus... Just a, just a very, very different perspective. And I'll, I'll tie, it, tie it back in, tie it back into family. I'm going to sit over here for a second and chat about this. I was thinking this morning, I need a, I need a little serpent. And of course, being in a performing arts center, they had one. <laughs> you know, the idea, like, here's John, and John's saying, look, you're, you're like this. This was the imagery. You're like a viper. You're like a serpent. You're like chaff that, that, that you know, what we really need to do with this, with this chaff is we really need to just throw it into the fire, burn it all up. Jesus does not pick up this image. Jesus gives us a very, very different image. And, and just the words, and I wrote them down here just to make sure that I, that I get them right. John, you have vipers, wrath, axe, and fire that gives way to the idea of heaven, a dove, love, and then, and then this word, and then this word, pleased. It's not a God of vindictive punishment. It's not a God there to, to kill or to harm or, or to sweep up all the chaff and throw it into the fire. And by the way, most of you are chaff. Folks, 
It's God saying, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. God is saying that to you. God is saying that to you. He's saying that to us. He's, he's offering this, 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 this counter. But, but you notice you know, how Jesus does it. He doesn't shame John the Baptist. Um, one of the fun little ones is Ken Wilber, famous philosopher I really enjoy. He talks about people who are really well motivated but mean with people who aren't. That's known as being a mean green. And, and it's not that Jesus kind of attacks John the Baptist here. He doesn't. He lives the answer. He lives the gentleness. He doesn't try to explain it. He says, this is what we do. This is what we don't do. I mean, it's all right there. Right in between the lines you can read that. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. We see with that, folks, coming back to that first line, accepting unquestioningly and responding lovingly. We see those two pieces. And again, next slide, we see this line so incredibly important. In this family, we are. In this family, we are not. Going to step back over here for a minute. What if we lived that? What if we said, yes, in our families, we are this, we are not this? What if we took these beautiful things, this great wisdom that you folks have and so lovingly shared today, and we said in our communities, we are this. We are not this. What if we said in our nation, in our world, and in heaven, as in heaven, so upon the earth, we are this. We are not this. What if we allowed that Spirit of God to descend and touch our hearts in a way where we really understood God, a loving God, God who says, this is my beloved son, daughter, in whom I am well pleased. To trust the will of God, to be able to say from our hearts, like, thy will be done. I think we have to be clear on what view of God we're going to have and what view of God we're going to bring into our families and what view of God we're going to bring into our communities. I say this with a big smile. I would not trust someone like John the Baptist <laughs> with that particular view of the will of God. I will always trust Jesus that way. Because the message is so consistent. 
so loving, so counterintuitive, so revolutionary, so peaceful. And brothers and sisters, you know what it feels like in the end? Home. It feels like we are coming home. Amen. close today's service, what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer a prayer. Then you'll have the opportunity as a music to, to listen to the Lord's Prayer, the New Church Version, and then just have a minute just for your own quiet reflection or to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it. So as the musicians come out, come up, I'd ask you to just join me in a, in a last prayer and to hear the Lord's Prayer. So, Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Lord, we know that everything in our lives, everything in churches, synagogues, temples, mosques, that, Lord, what we all should be looking for is goodwill. Help us to bring that to life. Help us to consider as well, Lord, how we can allow your will, to allow your will to be done, thy will be done. Help us, Lord, to both accept each other, to accept our families, to say what we need to say and, as best we can, to say it from love. That being the primary thing, to say it from love. Help us, Lord, to discover that. Help us, Lord, to remember what we know and to live it this week. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.